Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Louise Parker, Head of PR at marketing agency PropellerNet. If this is the first time you're here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. Um, I really hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, let me and Louise know your favourite bits on social media, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. And most importantly, don't forget to hit subscribe. Now, onto the podcast. Thank you again. I know it's your day off, so I do appreciate it. Um, and we'll start off with question number one, which is, oh, so the reason I do this is because I like my guests to give an introduction about themselves. Um, okay. and, and the reason for that, it's very easy for me or anyone else to, you know, check you out on Twitter or TikTok or LinkedIn or, I don't know, Wikipedia, the World Wide <laughs> Web, wherever. Um, but I kind of asked this question because I want to know what, how you describe yourself and how you would introduce yourself. So the question is, you meet a stranger and they ask you what you do. You might be in a pub, you might be in a bar, wherever. What is it you're most likely to say to them? Um, I would 100% tell them that I just work in PR and not give them any further <laughs> further okay. information, anything around digital PR or anything around SEO, uh, mainly because I've learned that over the years that people have a lot more recognition or at least think they have a recognition of what PR is over um, SEO. Um, so for simplic- simplicity, I would say I work in PR and most people then conjure up images of boozy Ab-fab. lunches and fab. Yeah. <laughs> Or like doing, I think like semi-accurately, but like doing like stunts and things like that, which is like a kind of fair representation. Or they think I do like um, like crisis comms, like okay. kind of dealing with when people have done dodgy stuff and trying to cover that up in the press, which is quite fun. Yeah. Um, but if I was having a longer conversation with someone and I had the benefit of being, or yeah, benefit of being able to go into more detail, I do start to kind of explain that what I do is digital PR, which is PR, and you still get good coverage for your for clients and a brand, but it also helps SEO as well. And normally then at that point, someone's like, well, what's SEO? I just feel like when you try and describe digital PR, you have to go through so many like context settings. Because yeah. sometimes, uh, like I'll say to someone, oh, it's to get, you know, to get you higher in Google. And then people will be like, but why? <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess if you're outside of online or e-com or, I don't know, you're just not in that kind of field. You don't kind of realize why what the benefit of being higher in google would be so yeah so a lot of kind of like um filling in the gaps to describe um that yes the PR yeah, I mean, that I does help people make money through google basically yeah, as, <laughs> as an seo myself in the previous but it's funny how you take it for granted what people perceive of what google is and how it works and the rest of it like we did a survey uh very recently actually about it was about paid ads and and this is getting very into the weeds for people who are listening who don't care about SEO and whatever, but <laughs> it, it was amazing how many people didn't realize that the listings at the top of the Google page were paid for. Yeah, totally. Whereas you, me, and everyone else to take it for granted that that's the case. And it was surprising how many people thought they were just there for um, because they were good or because they deserved to be there, which is yeah. strange, but... My mum's got scammed through one of those. She went to like, I don't know, um, do a driving license or a t- car tax or something. And she put in a kind of generic Google phrase for that. And um, the, the oh, really? ad was like a dodgy, yeah, a dodgy thing to basically capture all her data. But yeah, cause she, and she clicked it because she was like, what was the first one there? 
and it oh, wow. seemed fairly legit. Yeah. So now I've had to teach her like just scroll a little bit, like a little bit further. You'll see like the telltale signs of what the ad looks like. Um, but yeah, it's thought, the same you'd thing. You thought Google would be quite sharp on on stopping that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, um, yeah, it seemed like it was just to be able to get your information. I think I couldn't right. say it was like a, but yeah, I, I must have slipped through the net or something. But got a panicked call as I do quite a few times from my mum, being like. I've signed up to this and I don't understand what it is. Yeah, you're not the only one. (laughs) My my mother-in-law is very good at that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you get a lot of that in PR as well. Like, um, I mean, like I thought as well, I remember when I went for my interview for like to do work experience at a PR agency, which wasn't anything to do with SEO. Um, And I didn't really even really know what PR was. And I didn't realize that when it said like, oh, Barclays have done a study that say that eight out of 10 people spend money on this. um, I literally just thought that number one, it was Barclays doing it just out of like, you know, they just run it for their own internal purposes. And they really wanted to find out that how much money people spend on their pets and stuff like that. I had no knowledge of the fact that that would be done by a PR agency or that PR agencies wrote people's quotes from like on behalf of a brand like it just totally I also thought like you know maybe even the journalists did the studies themselves and things like (laughs) that I don't know it's just it's so like when you yeah you just kind of when you don't dig into it you can be not realize kind of how many people are behind the scenes making that happen yeah Um, yeah so yeah so describing the role both for PR and for SEO is um quite a mouthful but people are often very interested in it. I think PR seems quite glamorous. And then the Google side of things, people find quite interesting because, well, one, they use it all the time. And also, I don't know, they feel it's quite like, especially when you go into like paid stuff, it seems quite sneaky and like what people know, what they know about you and things like that. So it's um, it's a fairly interesting uh, industry to describe, I'd say. Yeah, well, I guess it's part of everyday life, right? I mean, everyone Google stuff when they're, when they're, you know, whether buying a holiday or new pair of trainers or whatever, it's it's something that people do all the time. And actually, people like to get that understanding of how it works, I suppose, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I don't know if it makes their kind of use of it any different, but I think it's interesting for them to find out, yeah, what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, to be fair, like when it comes to paid stuff, particularly like, I just scratch the surface in terms of my knowledge. <laughs> like, you, yeah. you, considering I work in the industry, basically, like I'm much more on the kind of organic side of things. And yeah, paid is a whole different kind of animal to me and just blows my mind. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> okay, so PR and SEO is where you are now. But when you were a kid, what did you want to be? Uh, I wanted to be a TV presenter, amongst many other things, I'm sure. The one I can particularly remember is wanting to be a TV presenter. Um, was there with, someone that you wanted to be looked up to? I think I just wanted to be either like a CBBC presenter or uh, like a Blue Peter presenter. Oh, did Quite you? Like kids, kids. Classics. Kids, yeah. I guess because it was the only thing I was watching. So it was just very small. Might have been like, I yeah. just want to do that. That looks very, very fun. Um, but I like, I used to like write letters to them and say, can I be a presenter on your show? <laughs> I was just let loose with the, <laughs> with the stamps and just sending off. Um, random letters to the BBC. Did they send you a badge? They they didn't send me a badge. They sent me a poor man's badge, which was like, thanks so much for asking. Um, here's like a sticker of a Blue Peter badge mm. that you can have. Um, Cost cutting. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't just give them out willy nilly. Um, but yeah, so that's what um, I wanted to do, which now <laughs> I think would be an absolute nightmare. Like I, I, it, 
it sounds very like I quite like the structure of a nine to five personally which TV presenting isn't and also there's an element of like being well known which I don't think I would particularly like but as a child it seemed pretty fun. That's interesting with your with your TikTok stuff which maybe we'll cover later that you what yeah. um did it ever go any further than just writing letters did you did it progress anywhere? No, it did not. I think I got into my awkward teenage um, years of like not wanting to put myself out there or like, you know, oh, doing, um, I don't know, doing an audition to be a TV presenter would be embarrassing and stuff like that. So I think that kind of um, quelled that um, want to do that, which is a bit sad, really. But I guess you just get into that age where you're like, oh, everything's embarrassing. And I just want to make sure that everything I do is like cool. And (laughs) um, yeah. So unfortunately not. It was just the letters, which is quite old lady of me anyway. <laughs> no, I think there's some, it's a centre of attention thing, isn't it? And some people either gravitate towards that or completely the opposite, you know, push it away and don't want to be, I mean, I couldn't think of anything worse. I didn't, actually, do you know what? I don't know if I wanted to be famous when I was a kid, but yeah, when it, you grow, grow up, your perceptions of things change, don't they? And, and what you... Yeah. And also yeah. like maybe for even like, Famous now compared to when we were kids is going to be very, very different. Yeah. It's like hundred percent really intense and um, you have to be available basically all the time. Well, for a lot of people. Um, whereas I don't know, in the, in my, in the nineties and early noughties, it was, um, it wasn't quite as full on, especially if you were like a CBB presenter, you went, you know, you didn't have all people following you on social media and stuff like that. I don't know. You, just, you, you it, say that, but I can remember. I mean, I'm guessing, so you 90s and noughties, maybe a little bit younger, but not a lot. And there was quite a a few famous children's presenters who came unstuck back then for various things. Um, Was it the Bacon, Richard Bacon? Yeah, Richard Bacon as a person that came to mind (laughs) for me as well. I I remember, I do, I think I must have only been like, I must have been under 10. So I don't think I had a concept of what cocaine was which is what he was busted for um but I knew it was bad and I I think I remember being sad because I think I quite liked him so I was like oh that's a shame I was quite forgiving 10 year old but I I guess yeah a bit back then it's probably a few paps outside the house as opposed to the full-on cancel culture that we sort of see now when when people do things on social and whatever yeah a bit intense now (laughs) yeah yeah I'm not sure I don't know there's parts of me sometimes I think it wouldn't bother me and sometimes I think oh no I just total I, I kind of at this crossroads at the moment where and I, well, I guess now's a good time to talk about it with you like the sort of the whole social media side of things right you, you know on one hand you're there doing things like podcasts tiktoks um you know linkedin twitter the whole the whole nine yards and the reason we do it well i'm not going to put words in your mouth but the reason some do it is you know awareness of raising that awareness of profile whether it's brand or personal or whatever and it's kind of it's on that spectrum of fame isn't it and obviously the, the the more you raise that profile and awareness then the I guess the more jobs come in or the more for your business or or whatever so it's interesting that you say that and I I have my own struggles with that kind of concept and the rest of it so what, what, what do you so obviously you're doing the TikTok stuff which is yeah. very good and I'm, <laughs> I'm sure uh very funny but what was the sort of thought process behind that um I mean when it started there was zero well when it started it was just it's during 2020 and um we had a lot of clients like kind of pause with us who were like travel clients and things like that so um we had you know 
less work going on for that period of time and it was a bit scary but um yes I had more time on my hands and TikTok was an interesting thing that I was finding entertaining myself so um yeah so it stemmed from that originally literally thinking that maybe I'd make some funny videos and other people would find them funny um as some kind of light relief to the stress of 2020 but um it very like quickly actually yeah did lead to um well, I guess like I got more followers on Twitter because I put the videos on Twitter and same with LinkedIn and um and people and I say personally like it helped me and people like offered me jobs and stuff which was nice but obviously I didn't take them because I'm still where I was um yeah. but it did actually very quickly yeah lead to people coming in with new, like new business for the agency which I work at um which I didn't really expect or make yeah, definitely wasn't planned for and didn't really expect, mainly because I think what I was doing, what I still do, my TikToks are quite funny. Like they're yeah. kind of gently taking the piss out of things that everyone kind of comes up against if you're in the industry, whether that's PR or digital marketing or SEO sometimes. Um, and um, yeah, it like I, I guess I kind of thought that it's like, well, I'm not here saying, oh, this is the work I did and this is how good it is and this is why you should work with us, which I guess is your traditional way of marketing an yeah. agency. Lots of case studies. So yeah, it just, um, I guess, by making jokes about stuff, it kind of, I guess, shows that you know what you're talking about and you have some expertise in it because I think, you know, you make you make jokes about what you know and what you think other people know and you, and you have experience in. So I guess kind of by proxy it meant that it seemed that I knew what I was talking about which I think I do <laughs> um so yeah so it really did help with um yeah raising the agency's profile of the fact that we do digital PR which at the time and still is like a kind of booming part of the SEO industry um so yeah I think it was kind of half fortuitous <laughs> because it just kind of happened at the right time um but and I think it's one of those things where you, when a new platform comes along or a new thing, you know, you don't know which one's going to, I heard this, I'm going to totally rip this off because I heard this on the <sighs> podcast, but you don't, you, you don't know whether it's going to be a clubhouse or whether it's going to be a TikTok. Yeah. And it's like, you can put, you just have to kind of dip your toe, I think, into a lot of things and then see where it takes you. Um, and that could be that the whole platform itself kind of doesn't really take off in the way it anticipated, like Clubhouse, or it could just be that for you, TikTok doesn't work so well, or, you know, I could try and do a podcast and that might fall flat on its face, but it doesn't mean that, you know, podcasts yeah. aren't good, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it there was absolutely zero kind of um, plan behind it. But, um, and but it's that's, definitely- in, that's interesting that there's no plan behind it because from the outside, what you've done is you've almost ticked all the boxes that one would see in like brand building plan or personal brand plan or whatever and you've done it very well so it's it always almost makes me wonder if the fact that you're doing it without that strategy and thought process in place is a better way of doing it and less convoluted than actually some of the stuff you see on social media in our industry where it's like and and think and I think actually what you've stumbled upon there inadvertently is my big problem with this whole kind of content marketing of oneself. And it's a lot of it is very I don't want to say formulaic, because I'm not sure that's quite right, but definitely process driven or strategic or they're very similar. You can you can spot stuff that's um 
I don't know, yeah. work, working I, with that goal in mind. Yeah, like a lot of threads and yes. <laughs> a lot of, I, I mean. Do you dislike threads? No, um, I think especially, I think it just depends on the content of them. It's just, yep. and it's the same with anything like, I think sometimes, and, and also it's it's because I'm coming, I'm reading a thread about PR or about marketing and I'm coming from a person who's worked in it for a number of years so yeah. to me I'm like well this has all been said before this is all yeah you know and that's, but that's the it, key right but then if it reaches if that is then seen by someone who's just who's seen it for that's the first time they read it you've got to read yeah. it for the first time sometime um so it's kind of it's very easy to be kind of like you know salty or not that's not the word but like kind of snippy no. over and bit like over stuff like that but it's like it's because it's not right for me but I do think like and this is so easy to say and I don't have any of these answers but <laughs> um but it's nice to learn off other people and to to see what's working for other people um yeah. but it's like trying like a different format now and again might be nice so like if you've just because you've seen lots of people having success with yeah doing threads yeah and or or doing kind of like the behind the scenes on LinkedIn with your selfies and like you know showing you're kind of like brand you're building your agency or whatever it is through that like you could try that and then you could try like you know like you're doing with like podcasts or um or like with TikTok or and they're using TikTok in different ways like yeah. it's some people use it for making like doing kind of tip based stuff some people do it because it's funny some people do it as like a vlog like there's loads of different ways of using all these different kind of styles I think it's just because when you see it's totally natural when you see someone get success with a certain style you want to replicate it and then everyone wants to replicate it so then it just feels like everything's quite samey for quite yes. a period of time um but that's just I think that's just generally marketing as well you see that all the time even you know with campaign ideas and all sorts like you go through kind of trends and styles and what people like, and then it shifts and moves and stuff. Um, and it's always nice to be the person who does it the first time or some of yeah. the first times rather than, you know, that kind of edge of the the um, curve, like the early adopters. That's what you want to be. You do. And actually you said something then that's really made me think is about how you see stuff repeated, but actually I get really annoyed when I see these, what I perceive as being totally obvious comments. I'm like, why, why are you wasting my time with this? But actually you're right. And I hadn't really looked at it from that side of things before. There's, there's probably plenty of people out there who may not have seen that before. And actually knowing that buying links as a general term is a bad thing or, you know, what that, yeah, that yeah. and it's like, well, I've been doing it since 2009 and it's kind of, that's obvious, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's an interesting way to look at things. Um, <laughs> But no, the TikTok's good, and I would encourage everyone to have a look at it. It's it's quite funny. Oh, thanks very much. As as um, I bet you've had some general... great feedback, haven't you, on that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, people have been very um, very nice. No one's got too annoyed. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't write not. I don't think any of my TikToks are particularly controversial, so I don't think they, there's a reason to get annoyed. But no, but people have been very nice about them. I think also like. Um, particularly in like 2020, 2021, very stressful time, a lot of kind of pressure, especially in agencies around, you know, winning business, doing really well, showing that you're doing really well. Like it, it was, it's, it was a kind of, yeah, it was a tough time for obvious yeah. reasons. And I think a lot of people kind of messaged me and be like, 
thank you for just like popping that quite quite stressful bubble for a moment or just kind of like being a bit more light in the mood yeah or like realistic or just to make people think like oh actually it's not all amazing case studies and winning business every other day um you know sometimes journalists are rude to you or sometimes like you know your ideas don't get signed off or whatever it is which is just a normal thing that happens every day um yeah I think that was what was quite appreciative appreciative which I'm happy to do that. That's fun. And you're going to carry it on? Yeah, it's definitely slowed down because I've got more work to do. Um, so it's definitely not as frequent as it once was, which actually is a terrible TikTok strategy. You should try no, and do as is. much as you possibly can. <laughs> um, so again, that just shows that it's not not a huge amount of strategy behind what I do. Um, if I could, I would be doing like loads every day, but I just, one, don't have the time and probably don't have the ideas so um but yes I'm still 100% doing them and it's more just as and when uh inspiration strikes and I can think of something either funny or slightly insightful and I sometimes do do tips there's sometimes things which like are things which I like uh, uh, you know probably have been said before but haven't been said a million times before and I think people might find them helpful um so do little yeah little bits on that um so yeah do do follow me if if you are on tiktok and you can bear to have some kind of work stuff infiltrating your for you page no it's good i'll uh, i'll make sure that i put the links in below oh, for thanks. everybody uh <laughs> right okay back to the 10 questions now um next one what's been the most pivotal moment in your life um i i would say um so I moved to the agency I'm at, which is called Propellernet, in Brighton. Um, and I didn't really think when I was younger or in my early 20s that I'd necessarily be living in Brighton. I was kind of assumed I'd just live in London, um, which was slightly narrow-minded of me. But where, where, are you, where are you from originally? I'm, I'm from Surrey. So it's like literally okay. like just a trip um, up. Yeah. And then you get to London. I just kind of always assumed that's where the jobs were. That's where yeah that's where I would live and I did for a bit but it's very expensive um and um I was in a relationship and the um my then partner wanted to move down to Brighton and I couldn't afford London anymore so I was like okay great I will will do that Brighton's lovely so kind of very much led by him but found this job at Propellernet so um took that wonderful had the job and then the relationship went south (laughs) and so then um so then we broke up and I remember being really, really sad and then thinking, well, of course, I've just broken up with someone like I'm really, really sad. And basically realizing I was like, oh, hang on, I'm not sad because I've broken up with him. Sorry to the person. <laughs> I'm sure he's not listening. But um, it's because I am sad that I have this assumption that, oh, well, now I don't have a boyfriend here in Brighton. I'll have to move back to London. And, and that's what I have to do. And I think for the first kind of time I took some, I did something which I was like, oh, actually, no, I want to do what is going to make me happy and like led by me I like my job I like the people that I've met through my job I like where I live there's absolutely no reason just because I'm no longer with a partner not to stay where I was and as soon as I realized that I was like oh I'm I'm actually really fine and that was I think like even though that was when I was like 24 20 I don't know kind of mid-20s so um I kind of probably should have done that, that a little bit before but I think I was quite nervous about 
I don't know, deciding what I wanted to do for myself. So I was basically just following people around up until that point. So that kind of point was me deciding, no, I want to stay here because this feels really, really good. And I've obviously stayed in Brighton. I've stayed at Propellinet. <laughs> I did move to another agency for a brief while, but then I came back to Propellinet. And um, yeah, so, and that has basically just then forged my career. I've stayed in SEO, digital PR. Um, I've, you know, built this kind of brand around myself, I guess, which yeah. is um, changes stuff. And basically just from me staying in Brighton and uh, was like that pivotal moment. And so when I, yeah, I was to think about the question, that is like the one time where I've had that kind of crossroads of what I could have done. And I think if I'd gone to London, I don't think I would have even stayed in SEO necessarily. Like I probably- How, how close were you to not staying in Brighton? Oh, like very close. I mean, I hadn't quite packed my bags, but I was like just- ready to like move back to my mum's, find a place in London, find a new job and then go. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. So it, which now feels so weird because like now you talk about, you know, everywhere's remote. So it doesn't really, you know, London, Brighton, yeah. it's nothing. It's not, but back then it was a quite a big change. Like, you know, I wouldn't have lived in London and commuted to Brighton and I wouldn't have then been able to work for Propellinet because they wouldn't have done, they didn't do anything remote. So, um, yeah, it's, it doesn't sound quite as pivotal now, but at the time, um, yeah, it would have really changed my tra- trajectory for um, my career. I so, don't know, it sounds yeah. pretty pivotal. I think <laughs> it's pivotal in the sense that you would have done something completely different. And who knows what, I mean, you know, as you got married very recently. Congratulations. Thank like, you. And I, that's what I think about. That's, that's why I love that question out of all of them is because it makes you think about where you might have been if you hadn't have made a certain decision oh yeah and, and yeah. like for you I mean it's a prime example right it, it's very pivotal because you'd have been back at your mum's back going <laughs> into London and your husband who now would sort of be in I don't know he'd be in Brighton yeah I don't know it's weird it's pining just, it's, after me well yeah <laughs> <What> could have been? <laughs> it's like a real sliding doors moment isn't it and it's yeah that's why I and love it's, it but... it's really like I think um when um at that kind of age which I guess at the time felt like I was a bit of a late bloomer in terms of um working out and feeling like confident in what I was doing and and where I wanted to go with things um I I felt that maybe I should have done that when I was 20 but I think that's still pretty young um but yeah from that point was like oh actually like I'm gonna make some new friends I'm going to go like dating I'm gonna be really good at my job and and kind of it was there was other than the people I knew at my the agency, I didn't really know anyone else in Brighton or anything like that. Yeah. So it kind of did feel like a real nice, fresh start. Um, and, it, and it went nicely well. So, yeah, it was, um, it's a good decision. Good decision made. Good. Lovely to hear it. Um, tell me about some of the best pieces of advice you've ever received. Um, so... It's, I guess it's not advice necessarily that I've received, but it's a phrase that someone told me, which I'm probably going to butcher because I'm really, really bad. But it's, um, I have it written down actually. It was like, it will all be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end, which is... Okay, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, I, I did look it up to think like, where did it come from? And it's one of those classic, and I don't know if it's the internet just <laughs> playing with me, but it's one of those classic ones, which are like said by John Lennon and all this yeah. kind of stuff, which I think every quote has been attributed to. Um, but I remember hearing it on, um, I don't know if uh, Mark Kermode, who's like a film, yeah, film reviewer. Guy, yeah. yeah. So um, I used to listen to his podcast 
a lot and that came up a lot but anyway I remember I think I actually heard it in 2020 on his on that podcast and um at the time it I was really in a very stress like just I felt as everyone did it was 2020 it wasn't a good time yeah but it there was lots of stuff going on both in work but also just you know personal stuff and like everything just felt really kind of scary um and I really liked that phrase because I was like you know what it's like that this is life like it's horrible at the moment um and like you just have to things pass and things get better there's also there's a a phrase at the end of this film called Jojo Rabbit which is like again can't remember who it's from but it says basically like no feeling is final which I really like because it's like you know, you might feel really crap at the moment and anxious and stressed and, and sad. And you kind of, like horrible as at the time, you kind of just have to ride it out and just yep. wait for it to... Well, one of the things of I use a lot, one of the things I use a lot is everything will work out. Yeah. Or it'll all, it'll all be right in the end. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I, I like the way you, you framed it in your first one where, and if it doesn't work out or it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. I like but, that little, yeah. I, I like that little addendum because it kind of... It's that bit of fine it gives you a bit more sentence. hope to it. Yes, yes, You're like, yes. well, of course, like, it's fine. Like, this is not the this is not the ending yet. This is, we're just a few chapters in. <laughs> we haven't got to the end of the book yet where it's going to have a happy ending. Um, yeah, I was, yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about the stuff we used to worry about or things we worried about in the past. And, you know, at the time, it was like the end of the world and, and the rest of it could be boyfriends, girlfriends, work. Non-work. It doesn't matter what it was, but... It's amazing when you think back to some of those things now and you can't even remember half of them, but at the time. Yeah. Um, and it's something that you really got to try and keep in mind because it does all work out in the end. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think like, yeah, I don't want to be too rosy about it because like some people go through some really yeah, tough of course, stuff. Of but like it, it, exactly that. When I think about what I was worried about in, in 2020, which was causing me a lot of toughness um and it was all fine you know it's yeah. it's not it's not the fact that oh everything went fine with all this all that stuff that I was worrying about because no it didn't but I'm still here I'm still yes. like I'm happy and it's and it's just one of one of the things in life's rich tapestry <laughs> <laughs> no it's a lovely it's a lovely saying I like that a lot um okay lessons learned I'm sure you've got a few What's, what's, what's some of the most valuable? Um, I would say that um, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, especially in the last, I'd say, four years or something, five years, so going like late 20s, going into my 30s, uh, is that basically nothing is as embarrassing as you think it is. And no one is thinking anything really about you. <laughs> like I used to be so paralysed by what's, you know like I said about wanting to be a TV presenter when I was a kid and then I got into yeah. my awkward teenage years and then I didn't want to do it anymore because I thought it was embarrassing and it's mm-hmm. like well to who <laughs> and like and so uh, and it's kind of like I think I have there's been a few things whether it's you know work things around um you know maybe doing talks or um putting myself out there on social media before obviously TikTok and things like that yeah. um or just generally you know in life like doing things which are a bit more risk taking or being a bit more outspoken of things and thinking oh no I couldn't possibly because what would people think of that or it will be embarrassing or people will yeah think of people will think poorly of me but 
even if they did, I've now realized no one tells you or hardly anyone tells you. <laughs> so I would kind of think like, well, I can do this thing which I've deemed like embarrassing. And even if someone did say to their friend, oh, have you seen what Louise has done? That's kind of weird. But they're never going to tell me. <laughs> so I'm like, that's fine. I can just live in blissful, <laughs> blissful ignorance where, or it's very unlikely that they're either going to care. People are just too worried about their own stuff, which is totally fine. I, 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 you, you stumble upon something here, which is quite something I think about a lot. Um, and you're 100% right. And the amount of people, this is a really important message, I think, but the amount of people who aren't doing something for fear of what other people are going to think is astronomical. And I, and I class myself in, in that as well. Like I have this dream where I'd, I'd love to do more YouTube stuff, you know, sort of the whole, maybe vlogging, maybe just mm. that. But I've wanted to do that for five, six years. Yeah. And I haven't because of this weird thought about what other people are going to think. And what's really strange is going back to your point about when you were younger, like when I was younger, I couldn't care less what people thought. I, just, I didn't mm -hmm. care about anyone. Um, and then as you get older, maybe, or maybe it's inverse for, you know, other people I don't know, but for me, as I got older, I started worrying about stuff. My realization was no one else is going to pay my mortgage or my rent or my, put food in my kids mouths right yeah. and I was like who cares yeah and actually I hadn't really thought about it from your way you said like actually no people wouldn't tell you anyway apart from some <laughs> random troll on Twitter yeah. and, and like who gives a shit what he thinks because yeah. you don't even know him but it's funny isn't it it's funny how we we worry about what other people think like that yeah I think particularly um the you know, doing YouTube or um, doing any, uh, the kind of newer, what is classed as like influencers or content creators and things like that. Yeah. Like when I was uh, in my like late, like finishing uni and stuff like that, that's when there was a big kind of blog boom um, uh, and before Instagram, basically. Um, yeah. And I, so I started a blog, but I started it in secret. I didn't tell any of my friends about it. And it's like, these are my friends. These are people who are like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I will back me, like regardless. But I wouldn't even tell them about it. Kept it totally secret. Didn't put any pictures of like my face on it. Like oh, it was just kind of crazy. The same thing with like Instagram. Like just kind of slowly tried to do some kind of influencer stuff, but felt like cringed by it and felt like oh, people are going to think that I'm cringe. Um, and then I look at the people who you know I was I would be chatting to at that time. Um, who stuck with it and who continued to do it yeah. and, you know like I wasn't I wasn't friends with quite with like the Zoella level of people but she's like the you know the perfect example of living in a beautiful mansion in Brighton <laughs> um yeah. and got like lots of kind of career you know different career kind of prospects off the back of it and it's and yeah and, it, and you know not to say that just because I would have continued with it that would have happened but it's just it's often like oh kind of what but what by if. not continuing it it's yeah. definitely not going to happen yeah yeah exactly um and, I, and also I find like just trying things and trying new stuff which maybe you think are embarrassing or you think uh, people are going to think poorly of you for doing them or kind of laugh at you or whatever but um it makes you a more interesting person like oh, you've got more to does. talk about even if it doesn't work even if it kind of falls on its um, then, it certainly, um, do you know it yeah. certainly does at the beginning of the year I had this sort of um moment where I was like I'm gonna do it and I, I set my I do a lot of 30 day challenges and I set this challenge where I was gonna record a video every day 
and upload it to YouTube or Instagram, LinkedIn, or everywhere, basically. Mm. And I actually found, and it, it, and it was properly out of my comfort zone. Like, really, it was it was hard. But I actually, A, semi-started to enjoy it, doing it. And B, there's, and I'm sure this is the same for a lot of people. Maybe you have this as well, I don't know. But there's one person, when you think of that, when you have the, when that fear kicks in and you think, right, I'm going to be embarrassed or I wonder what people are going to think. I have this one person who was my, what he thought was my big kind of um, barrier, I guess. Mm. And there was no rationale behind it. There was no real sort of reason behind it, but he was, the, he was the one who crept into my head every time that, that made the doubt. Anyway, as soon as I did it, he was the first person. He went, Chris, I love those. They were amazing. Aww. And I was like, Ugh. And he was the person I was so convinced would be like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting what time? Like, how embarrassing <laughs> is this? Like, I was like, oh, God. And to your point earlier where you said about, if I'd have done that five years ago, and he'd have said that five years ago, where would I be now? Like, mm. And I, like you said, you know, I wouldn't be the next Zoella or Casey Neistat or whatever, <laughs> but... It's just funny how you go through this period of your life thinking, oh, you know, people do think this, people think that. And actually, mm-hmm. until you ask them or put them in a position where they have to make that thought, you don't know one way or the other for anyway. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's good, though. So, it, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's a good... Oh, excuse me, I've got a frog It's a good realisation, actually, yeah, you're right. Most people are so caught up in their own lives on a day-to-day basis that they don't really even that... I don't want to say they're not interested because that's probably not fair on them either, but they're not, not going to lose sleep over Not to the point where they're going to drag it. you down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and what, what your worst fear is. Like, it's just not going to be the case. And I think I'm sure a lot of it comes with age because you, I, I don't know what it is about being a teenager or being younger. Because you want to um, fit in, don't you? Yeah, you want to be Yeah. Be I'd like to think gang. that, you know, Gen Z, there's been some shifts in that, but I'm sure it's probably just happened generation to generation. Um, it does seem like you can be a bit more uh, like yourself like you, I don't know but then that being said like fashions and trends and stuff are all still the same so people still want to kind of wear the right thing and stuff like that but yeah. I don't know I, I think um, I think a lot of it coming using like them um, social media mainly just social media rather than just the internet but I guess there's some aspects of the internet that can help with this but you can find your own like communities through it so you can especially with something like TikTok like that's the whole well one of the the biggest premises of it is that it it kind of filters to what you're interested in so I'd like to think that if you were younger now and you feel like oh I'm really interested in vegan cooking and I I don't want to I don't know, whatever like for whatever reason I'm scared to put any content out around it or kind of talk about it or go big on it you can find a kind of community online in a much easier way than probably when we were using the internet um in our teenage years um and hopefully that kind of fosters a bit more you know you can kind of I don't know see other people putting themselves out there and it can make you grow in your own confidence it's what yeah. I would like to think no I think it's, I think it's a nice way to look at it I think that yeah, I mean, I guess that generation is growing up with a bit more with social media and actually, you know, my generation, you didn't really 
you didn't have cameras, you didn't have film like to put yourself out. It just wasn't even a thing really. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, you're right. Like what you and I probably call niches are actually, they're still niches, but actually, you know, you put the right hashtag into a social platform and you can find a million people who are interested yeah. in, you know, vegan mums with yeah, twins yeah. or whatever. There's, there's, it's very easy to tap into those communities now. Yeah. Um, no, but it's good. It's good. It's a good lesson, and yeah, no, yeah, it does. It makes, I, you, I makes you think. Kids or if I ever chat to children, <laughs> I will. That would be the thing that I would say to you. Like, just don't, don't be worried about what other people think because they are barely even thinking about you. <laughs> Which sounds <Yeah>. so depressing, <laughs> but um, yeah, I will try and instill that to any any child that I have. That would because I think it makes for a much nicer life. No, agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, decisions you've made and what's the best decision you've made apart from staying in Brighton, obviously? Yes. But I would say, um, I mean, I could, uh, you know, getting married to my husband and things <laughs> like that. But I think for the context of the podcast and what I think your listeners might find interesting, um, I would 100% say that creating the the TikTok has been career-wise the best decision I've ever made which I find hilarious because like I said there was absolutely zero strategy behind it there was no expectations um whatsoever as to where it could go but it has it has okay so in that case then sorry explain sorry to interrupt explain to me how to like you obviously one day didn't have it and then you one day did have it Mm. so what happened on that day um so I I had TikTok and I was putting couple of random videos out not about seo not about digital pr uh-huh. um and what the kind of a way that you can use tiktok if you want to create videos is you see a kind of trending sound or a trending format um right. and you people will use it dependent on their kind of niche or what they're interested in so they will you know if there's a, a format or a sound that is basically talking about something embarrassing that happens you could equate that to whatever your your experiences or your niche or whatever yeah. Uh, and then one rolled around that was around um, like basically putting on a brave face when someone thinks they've done a really good job um, when actually they haven't done the thing that you wanted them to do and you're just trying okay. to be nice to them. And I saw it and I was like, what can I use that for? And literally I was like, oh, that is the exact feeling when a journalist tells you that they've covered your story and they've included a link in it and then it's a no follow link when you really right. want a follow link. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is so niche and, and like so such a minimal amount of people will be will even understand this this reference but I just did it anyway um and then because I knew that like I didn't really have a following on on TikTok at that time like and it definitely wasn't for digital PR or SEO so I put it on on Twitter because yeah. I already had some people who in the industry who followed me there and things like that um and then that's where it kind of like um blew up and got really I think like John Mueller retweeted it and that's when it oh, like, started. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love John Mueller. He's my pal. I mean, that, that, that's a very niche name for most people. Who listen, oh yeah, sorry. But... John Mueller off of Google. He's like an SEO. I always think of it. He's like the, um, he's the go-between. Like the wise old man Google of SEO. And SEOs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but I, yeah. Once had, I once had a conversation with him. So this is like going back like in 20... 13 2014 I guess it must have been and it's and back then like 
he used to used to send him messages. It was on like um, uh, Google Plus. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and if he ever replied, it was like a, an amazing thing because he never really oh. did. Because so, like you see him now active so much on Twitter, it's like very very cool. <laughs> but he retweeted but your tweet did he he retweeted the tweet and then from there it all snowballed because i mean then what was again zero strategy behind this but now i think back to it as an as an opening tiktok <laughs> uh yeah. to it was actually quite a good one because it was seo very seoe but also very digital pre so like both both kind of industries could understand it because i do some yeah. which are, to be honest a kind of seo person who doesn't do digital pr probably won't understand or kind of get the context of and I do very minimal <laughs> SEO ones but now and again have done that which a PR person maybe isn't a thing that they come across but yeah that that one kind of seemed to hit the nail on the head was funny was a thing that lots of people have experience of was a bit SEO a bit PR like so it just yeah that seemed to work really really well um and have you, se- have you seen any copycats pop up yet uh Yes, but I'm really hesitant to call them copycats because TikTok is like all about copying. Because right. I think some people think that I'm like a comic. I was going to say comic genius. I don't think they quite think that. But I think people <laughs> think like, oh, you're quite clever. You've done this setup and you, you've used this video in this way. But actually like using TikTok, it's like I kind of said before, like you you copy a format, you copy a, the whole the whole premise is that, you know, a video and a sound is set up in a certain way to say, you know, it's an embarrassing moment and people kind of use that in the way that is embarrassing to them. Yeah. Um, so, so I think people, people are certainly doing more, um, more SEO or digital PR TikToks. And some of them I think are in a similar style to me, but I think that's probably more reflective of the fact that they're just using it like I'm using it rather than necessarily copying yeah. me. Okay. What I do think is really interesting actually is, so when I, so this is 2020, so what, two years ago, there were a few agencies who, and this is not particular to SEO, but to just general kind of marketing agencies that I saw kind of doing a couple of videos here and there on TikTok. And they broadly like weren't working as well. And and I was looking at that thinking like, oh, that's really interesting. I think on TikTok, it's a much more beneficial thing to be a, like a person, kind of like on Twitter where interacting with a person from an agency yeah, yeah. rather than interacting with an agency's Twitter handle. But what's really interesting now, there are loads of really good agency um, twi- uh, TikToks, like TikTok oh, channels okay. doing actually really good content, doing like, I think funny stuff seems to work a lot better, but some people are doing... Um, like kind of tips and things like that and advice. Um, do you want to, do you want to name drop any good ones? Um, well, Rise at Sevens one's really good. They okay. always show off on my um, my For You page. Um, and they, yeah, they do a lot of kind of like funny stuff. Um, and there was also, oh God, I can't remember the name right now. I will have to, I'll come back to you and then um, you can maybe put it in the uh, in notes. notes. But um, there, yeah, it's, um, oh, that's going to really bug me. Oh, well, actually, and this is not um, this is not a um, an agency, but this is someone who's doing something similar to me, but far better and with far more success. Is um, Robert Mayhew? Have you seen his videos? He puts them on t- uh, LinkedIn, I believe. He okay. works for a social media agency. Um, I, this is like what I've gathered, um, and he's got like hundred thousand followers, and they're all like hilarious, like all TikToks around basically working in an agency and the kind of 
gripes of that and the the things that happen you know the fact that you only see the ceo in the pitch and then you'll never see them again yeah. and just like really great stuff um but yeah so that i think um he's just like top tier marketing tiktok content um okay. but yeah there's definitely i think what's what what my point was trying to be is that i think it either the algorithm either seems to be changing um quite a bit or it's just people are getting better at using tiktok and right. there's just with more knowledge and um and working out what works well and work what works for them actually whereas two years ago i would have said i wouldn't bother putting like an agency on and having an agency channel on tiktok actually now it's um, I think it's a really open playing field. It's basically all just like based on your content um, and how good that, that is, which I think is the case in a lot of. So that was going to be my next question. Then, do you think there's still room to explore TikTok as a channel? One hundred percent. Like, um, yeah, completely. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's. I actually, it's what's quite interesting, and I'm sure someone else said this, and I I won't be able to quote them, but um, I think it's what maintaining your popularity on TikTok, like I think is harder than maybe like on Instagram or maybe Instagram of years ago. I know a lot's changed recently. Um, it's because with TikTok, you're, it's kind of like if you, everyone could get there at 15 minutes because yeah. you could just have a really successful video, but it's kind of building on that or like maintaining it and keeping that um, like interest there and keeping, making you know, making sure you're not just a one hit wonder. And I think yeah. it's very, so you could easily go on there and you can, um, you know, with the right content, like get millions of views, but whether you're going to grow a following and things like that is quite dependent on, I guess, how consistent you yes, are and yeah. what, what are you doing? And I, I like I have to hold my hands up and say that's not necessarily me because <laughs> I've only I've actually got like a fairly small amount of followers on TikTok, but I kind of cross pollinate and put my videos on LinkedIn and on Twitter and stuff, which altogether kind of are you doing helps. Instagram Reels as well? No, no, I'm oh, really? not. Really, that's interesting. Not, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, um, I guess one, I don't have a kind of work a worky Instagram. Right. Okay. Um, so me, so it kind of wouldn't fit on my like personal Instagram. Um, and also I've just heard bad things and also it just seems like a poor man's TikTok, which I'm sorry, no, no, Instagram I, reels. but just to your cross pollination comment, I didn't know if yes, it was just, yeah. once you upload the video, you could just stick it on there as well. But you, um, you most certainly can. Apparently they don't like it. You know, TikTok gives the little watermark. Um, yeah. Of TikTok, Instagram so has started doing the same thing now. Oh, have they? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I think it's only purely because like I don't have the like LinkedIn makes sense it's all about work my Twitter is a work Twitter basically I just it's majority work people on there um yeah. so it just fits that more just with people who are who are on it but I, I guess if you're doing it for a work and that is I know you're not <clears throat> planning it or strategizing it yeah. as such but it is work related so you don't need those millions and millions of views right because the digital marketing world I mean let's be honest it's relatively small isn't it so yes. If you had a thousand people following you, for example, you would know that those thousand people are I'm not going to say they're potential clients necessarily, yeah. but they are people in that sector actually, rather than just sort of broad with no, yes. you know, no real relevance. So it's potentially more powerful, isn't it? Yes, completely. It's kind of like, yeah, comparing B to B to B to C. Like yes. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. um, I guess what I am doing is kind of, yeah b2b marketing um but yeah and, and it's do, you see, not do you see it do you see it as marketing or is it a bit fun is it's it a, a bit, bit of fun. 
I mean, it's I, I like I like it. Um, I like to do it because um, it's. What about, I I never think of it of a way to win business mainly because right. <laughs> my propeller is not my agency um, and you know we all you'd, pro- you'd probably also be doing it differently if you if that was your goal wouldn't you yes yeah probably yeah I'd probably be putting a lot more kind of um, things around tips in or or kind of subtly showing the work and things like that but um, yeah and also I think like if it was an agency like. I don't think there. I don't think there'll be some videos that they would want me to do. <laughs> so um, yeah, I would lose. Have they, have they said anything about you putting contacts? I know some agencies get a bit funny about their. their yeah. well, not just agencies. A lot of some companies in general actually get funny about staff putting out social media content. Yeah. Um. No, there was there was one video that they politely requested <laughs> that oh. I took down, <laughs> which was. In reference to, um, to you know, when it was, well, it's still kind of happening, but, you know, the kind of like great res- resignation and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. so it was kind of in reference to that, but it it did make it seem that like maybe where I worked wasn't, you know, we were understaffed and stressed oh, out okay. and all this kind of stuff, which really wasn't the case. And it was more just like this, I know this is a thing that people in the industry are are. are are coming up against so that's why I did the video so they did, they politely said it and I was like okay fair enough I, I do understand that that's fine um but yeah no everything else like they're more than happy with and um but kind of are just letting me get on with stuff I think that's good that's good isn't it I like I like it when companies do that because it shows that actually I think it's very short term when some companies stop um staff doing stuff and I, I so I really like it when companies encourage their staff to do that sort of stuff because I think it's powerful yeah and actually I, I recently um I became like head of PR um from a director or oh, I say recently it was about six months ago now but um oh no a year anyway um and uh part of that was basically saying like I want my part of my role to be a bit more about marketing the agency and with that time would have been tiktok related stuff so actually yeah. having a bit more space to be able to think about a, a strategy or just have time to do it um think about whether propellant should have one and what would be on that and, and things like that but um actually i haven't been able to do any of that because, <laughs> because um, we um we had like a, i think someone was on maternity so i've had to do a bit of like boxing and coxing on that so that's fine but in august that is all going to change so i get to have a bit of time to think about yeah marketing in propelling that in general whether that's tiktok or whether that's other things and marketing our team as well um so that'd be exciting so i'll get to um get a bit more into it again uh, in a couple of months but yeah it and does. then it's great that they want uh, or are happy to allow time you know that's yeah. time i could be working with a client but they could see the benefit in both tiktok and just general marketing excellent i look forward to seeing that when it all comes yes. around <laughs> Um, okay, moving on. Tell me something you struggle with. I would. I struggle with um, like I, I don't want to say anxiety because it's not anxiety in terms of like the disorder, anxiety disorder. But um, I struggle with a lot of like worry and um, kind of what if ism, and um, and I kind of get a bit paralysed by it. So like okay. I, um, I'll be. Like, for example, the, the TikTok side of things, sometimes I'll just lie awake at night and think, oh, like, 
I should have I should have grown my account more you know I've been doing this for two years I should have a hundred thousand followers I should be doing this I should be doing this and it's just the kind of concern and the slight like oh you know chastising myself for making poor decisions and I think um particularly in like the last couple of years um that has just been much more apparent and I think it has to be reflective of the fact that there was a um a pandemic and there was you know economic ups and downs I must say all the cost of living stuff is stressing me out quite a lot now and it just it it, it's something that I really need to work on and I don't know quite how that's going to be whether that's like meditation or CBT or whatever that is but something to reframe and make it clear in my brain that I don't need to be quite so worried about absolutely everything i mean the pro well there's two things here so i guess the problem is there's a lot of burdens that just keep popping up you know you, one one goes away pandemic is like oh now it's cost of living yeah. but interestingly i've had two guests on one was a very big proponent of cbt mm. um we, we spent a lot of time on the podcast chatting about the benefits of that i mean i'm more than happy to introduce you to him um mm, i'm sure yeah. he will extol the virtues of that and then um someone else I spoke to very recently was about the whole meditation thing and we were talking he was talking about the fact that everyone was raving about meditation and he could never quite get into it but then we were discussing that actually meditation can be done in many different ways so for me personally I like to use running or swimming as my time to meditate when it's just and it's not it's just when I, you know, I've got no phone, I've got no computer mm. and I just, I'm at one and it's, that's when my brain sort of clears itself out. And for me, that's really important. And he was saying that, you know, he, he couldn't do the, he tried the, um, the guided stuff. He tried oh, the yeah. app based stuff and he, he ended up lying on the floor just in silence for like for an hour, which to me sounds like outrageous. <laughs> How would you do that? But the point of the matter is, is that meditation is like this huge overarching thing, but there's lots of different ways to tackle it and approach it um, and, yeah, and, and finding what works for you as opposed yeah. to, you know, being told that you have to do transcendental or you have to do app-based or you have to do this. And it's like, I don't know, it's, yeah. it's a tough thing. I mean, have you, have you explored any of that? I have. I've tried. Um, I've tried like, you know, like headspace things and stuff like that. I think it's quite interesting, probably quite revealing about myself that um, when I am feeling like really, you know, again, say anxious, but I don't want it to seem like I have anxiety disorder, but um, that I like, um, I will like fill myself with that content. So like, I will look at my phone because I want to distract myself. I will watch TV. I will listen to podcasts. Like it's kind of like the complete, opposite of when you do go running or when you go swimming and you yeah. clear your head I'm like oh god that sounds awful <laughs> like so I think I need to work like somehow need to to get it where rather than yeah rather than thinking like oh I feel bad at the moment I'm just gonna blind myself with like anything else and just you know so that I don't actually think about what I'm, <laughs> yeah. what I'm worried about I don't know it's just it's weird I, like, I clearly what I'm trying to med- how I'm trying to kind of treat my tweeter is not working it's a very right. short-term thing where I'm like I'll just watch loads of sex in the city and then it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah I think um it's interesting I might I, like I like the idea of yeah it's not it's not just a one-size-fits-all thing 
Um, yeah. And I do think as much as it's such a cliche, but like exercise does like there is, uh, I'm sure I, I there is science behind it. 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 <laughs> it's it's I, I, from personal, and this is a use case of one, I, it changed my life. It's my, mm-hmm. um, I was never an anxious person as such, but I was a head full of things, you know, whether it's positive things, negative things, mm-hmm. ideas, whatever. I just, it just used to like blow my head up. It just, I couldn't get into a space. I was always thinking about things. Yeah. And it wasn't an anxiety thing and it wasn't um, a worry thing necessarily, but it's just too much going on in my head. And it's not hyperbole to say that exercise, I think, has, has been the, the solved all my problems. And that's not to say that it's the same for everyone. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that. But I, I went from being, you know, a bit overweight, a bit unhealthy, uh, working. And it's funny, my wife showed me some pictures the other day of when we first met. I was like, oh, my God, like, how did you ever? <laughs> <laughs> how did we ever go on a second date? But it was like, I don't know. It's funny how I, I just wasn't doing I wasn't looking after myself physically mm-hmm. or mentally. and. Yeah, it's it's strange how and now I love exercise and I actually do it because I enjoy it as opposed to it to being a bit like oh gotta go out for a run oh gotta go for a swim I actually enjoy doing it and it's but it's the head the head clearing space that yeah it's mad really yeah um, yeah but I mean, it, like I said it's not you know there's not a one size fits all solution have you have you ever spoken to anyone about it um I did I went through the NHS kind of like you know I can't remember what it's called but um but I don't want to badmouth the NHS because it is great in so many ways but like they just kind of send you some workbooks and some pages to go Mm. through which is it's good to a point but it's not I don't know it's it didn't really it clearly didn't like help massively um but I think to be honest like I probably I think it would be really I've never done any like therapy before and I think a few years ago, I would have just thought therapy was a bit, I, d- I don't know, kind of like, oh, you'd, you'd have to be in a really bad place to need therapy. But actually, so many people have therapy and so many people, it's like not even necessarily for like a, a problem. It's just, it's in the same way that, you know, you go. Just checking in. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. just like, just part of the thing, just to keep yourself, just having an expert to speak to who knows what they're talking about, who can yeah help you through anything that might be troubling you or just general stuff. So I think that would be really interesting um to try yeah yeah I've thought about I'm very similar boat to you I've never therapy for me was always like a you know you you have to be seriously something wrong before you Mm. before you consider it but actually weirdly I heard that someone say that phrase the other day about um I can't remember where I saw it but they were saying that there was nothing they were saying that oh you seem like you've got yourself together and there's no real problems and they're like, at the moment I have, and they're saying, well, why do you go to therapy then? And they've said, because it's just to go and sort of, mm. it's like it's like having an MOT on your car, right? There's nothing really wrong with it, but you're just going yeah. to check and make sure that there's, you know, nothing hidden, nothing that, yeah. you know, you need to be concerned about. And kind of got me thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. There's, there's a point of me that I think would be really good, and this is purely from a personal perspective. Mm. And then there's a point of me that's a little bit scared of what might, yeah. like, <laughs> Are they going to open up? <laughs> yeah, like Pandora's yeah. box there. <laughs> but, yeah, it's. I think it would, in a good way, it seems to be becoming more and more like normalised, like you said, like, yeah. like a brain MOT, which is good. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it seems a bit like um, 
where do I even begin with it? Maybe when I come back from holiday, that seems like a good thing. (laughs) You know, when you're like, I'll do it when I come back from holiday. Well, I'll look I into mean, that. Put a pin in it. Ha- having a holiday is probably. I mean, is, yes. <laughs> have, you, have you been away? Is it the first time you've been away in a while? Um, well, we went for like a short trip in um, kind of springtime, but um, it's the first time I've gone for like a two week, two weeker for a long yeah. time. For yeah, for a really long time. So yeah, so that'd be uh, its own type of therapy. I yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. I used to make sure that I always went away every year, like two or three times pre-kids and and whatever but and that was my kind of I needed to have that break up of my working year just to sort of have time to regulate my brain and 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 the rest of it so obviously with everything that's going on last couple of years those breaks haven't really shown themselves have they yeah I know I found that really hard like I I mean mainly because I love a holiday just because I like going to new places and eating nice food and going on the beach and stuff great but yeah definitely like taking yourself to somewhere new which isn't your you know home or isn't even maybe the UK like something about like being in a foreign country you can feel nicely detached from things in like a positive way and yeah have a good yeah have some refreshing time I definitely like it was ironically 2020 was meant to be the year of holidays for me and my husband we were like we're gonna go on loads of trips we're gonna do all the places that we you know really wanted to to go to and then obviously that did not happen um and one of the trips that we wanted to go on was go go to Sri Lanka and we were meant to go we're meant to be in Sri Lanka right now um but uh that was unfortunately cancelled due to um the issues that they're having in the country at the moment um but yeah it will happen okay but it's I mean I, I know COVID isn't over but um it is really making me feel good to see people you know booking holidays and going away more regularly and it does feel really nice that sense of holiday normality yes I agree. I agree. Uh, where is it you're heading? To Crete, in Greece. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, I'm not jealous. I'm going to move on <laughs> swiftly, swiftly to the next question. Um, do you think people's perception of you is accurate? Um, I would say, I mean, I don't, I've never really um, got much open feedback from people in terms of uh, what they think of me. But I I would assume that maybe, you know, people see me on Twitter or TikTok um, might think that I'm quite like extroverted, um, yeah. which I'm not. <laughs> and um, I actually like I think that's why being online and doing things online is a lot is a be- much better suited for me than doing like networking events or doing sometimes even I feel like, like I feel like I really need to unpack this a bit then because how does that work then so I mean obviously you put a TikTok out there mm-hmm. like filming that is quite an extroverted thing to do I, I know I'm making mass assumptions so I'm yeah. happy for you to tell me no you're wrong and then you're putting it out onto TikTok and let's say you know you you're Maybe you are, and maybe you are, maybe not watching the view count. Like that jumps up to, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, whatever. Like, how does that in your I head mean, compute? I, I just feel like because it's not in real life, it feels really different. Um, and also, I think when it comes to being like extroverted, introverted, it's like where you get like your energy from. Um, yep. And I definitely feel like in real life, um kind of talking to and 
and also like even like things like this where you're actually like physically like back and forth with people like even though it's not in real life um I it's not to say that I don't enjoy it like I enjoy it but it's very much like after this I will need to go and have like a nice cup of tea and some quiet time just (laughs) to kind of like recharge my like my kind of social batteries again um but I think I think doing stuff online, I am in the safety of my home. I am in control of it. I, you know, I guess you could have some people asking you weird comments and stuff, but ultimately you don't have to respond to that. Like, whereas, yeah. you know, if you're in a kind of face-to-face thing, some, if someone wants to be awkward with you, they, you know, will ask you weird stuff or <laughs> things that make you feel uncomfortable or whatever, then they can, I guess they can. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think to doing stuff online, it might be because I'm like, I know when I've done the personality test, I'm one of those people where it's like, you're introvert, but you can pretend to be extrovert. You know, like yeah, you can like... That's, that's what mine say. Weirdly. Yeah, really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, if it, out of all of them, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. But it does, um, yeah, I think I think it is quite uh, understandable to think, oh, if you put yourself out there online a lot, then you must be the life and soul of the party, must love chatting to people all the time. Like, And it's nice sometimes, but I'm quite awkward in real life you're not the first guest to say that actually strangely and Mm. it is weird how people and I'm the same and I'm kind of I'm in this position where I'm trying to ask you the question because I think the the listener or the viewer or whatever will be interested to hear it but I'm the same like I I could chat to you here and I I enjoy chatting to you but I find it tiring (laughs) like oh when I do these things and I, I, why have you signed up to do a podcast <laughs> well because I'm trying to I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone right oh, okay. because fair enough I, oh actually no that's, I am on one level but I, I enjoy doing it right yeah. and I enjoy chatting to people who I've seen you floating around on Twitter on on TikTok and wherever on LinkedIn and for me it's really great I think it's, I think I, this other podcast the guy said that doing a podcast was the biggest life hack there is and I and I tend to agree with him because you and I wouldn't have had an hour-long conversation any like even if we'd met at sort of I don't know a networking event or a conference or wherever the chances of us chatting for an hour and actually mm. getting to know someone and actually listening to what they're saying and you, you just don't get that you know in this day and age where everything's short attention spans and it's like oh you know might meet seeing a bar and have a quick drink it's like oh right great like it's hard to sort of become and I'm not saying with friends but it's hard to get that kind of quality conversation that you only have with people you really know well yeah um, that's very true and actually yeah I much much prefer I'd much prefer to be in a smaller like yeah one-on-one with someone than in a big party where you've got to go out and mingle and stuff and it, you know well because it, you, you mingle and you get the same question every time oh yeah. what do you do yeah <laughs> yeah like, it's just yeah, boring, totally. isn't it? It's... Yeah. It, um, oh, I, what I think is a little bit, uh, I haven't quite m- mastered, that's not the word, but um, there are lots of people who online who I talk to kind of through Twitter regularly, who, or, or maybe not even through DMs, but like, you know, I feel like we're pals. I feel yeah. like, yeah. Um, and I, but, I have, but I've not translated that into real life. And I know that totally could be something where I could do that. And I could say, hello, would you like to meet in London and da, 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 da. But I haven't done that because that fills me with a bit of worry. And I'm like, well, what? Or even, or you could even, even as a first stage, you could just do it online, right? You could have a, a remote. I had some guy message me yesterday saying, did I want a remote coffee? Oh, 
And I, after I'd spent like the first 30 seconds going, oh my God, that's so weird. I was like, actually, I was actually, oh, that sounds all right. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I guess it's, but yeah. I think because it, um, I, like I talk about people as if they're, as if I know them. And I, I kind of do know them because I know them through Twitter, but I don't. I don't know. I feel sometimes a bit. No, I do. I think we all. I think we all. We all. I do. I do that all the time. I say that to my wife. I'll be like, "Oh, yeah." I was chatting to someone about, or someone told me about. That was the one I said the other day. I said someone told me about um, something. Oh, when? I was like, "What? They tweeted it." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) I was like, "Oh my god!" No. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? But that's that's. That's a good thing about the, the platforms, right? I mean, there's plenty of bad things, but that's a good thing. It's like you feel like you're building these relationships or, you know, community. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it's good. It's but... been really, it's been like uh, everyone I've, I've met on Twitter has <laughs> um, been so uh, either supportive and like nice and said nice things, but also yeah. just like really, um, it's so good to get people's like opinions on stuff. Like we wanted to, um, we were thinking of changing the structure of our team because um, it was getting a bit bigger. So we were thinking of kind of like having little pods, a pod system. Um, and I, I'd seen through tweets that other people have kind of referenced it in different agencies and literally like messaging people who are on paper, our competitors um, yeah. and saying like, hi, could I talk to you about how you structure your team? And everyone said, yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, sure, of course. And then, you know, was really honest about good, good stuff, bad stuff, what they'd learn, you know, like basically giving me an advantage based on their learnings. And I'm one, they never met me before um, other than on Twitter. And yeah, like I said, like I would technically a different agency who's a competitor, but like I would do exactly the same. Like I just, it's, and it's and that's what I found really positive, as you just said. I, some of it's yeah. a lot of crap, but <laughs> but that was really I, nice. No, I'm the same. I think that my 95% of my experience, no, actually no higher than that, 99% of my experience on Twitter has been really, really positive. And it is amazing how many people want to see you succeed that you don't know. Like mm, yeah. there might be just some random person who you like their tweet. I don't know. It's, it's strange. It's like it gets a bad rap, uh, bad rep Twitter. And I think that actually, depending where you hang out on there, and even when you see sort of some of the the political, not political, the the um, SEO dramas and the stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. like most of the time, exactly as you said, you could ask I random a question and you will get a good response back. Yeah. And I've seen it time and time again. I think it's it's. It's a shame that it gets sullied by all sorts of obviously mm. other stuff, but I think on the whole, I think if you if you use it well and you and you sort of get into the right sort of groups, yeah, I think I think it's a really powerful platform. Yeah, I think also like use the block and the mute button as liberally as <laughs> you wish is my my learning. It's like. Oh, this is what I, you know, it's my platform. Like, I'm using this. Like, so it's if interesting I... you say that. I don't think I've ever blocked anyone or muted anyone. <laughs> well, this is exposed stuff. I don't know about block. I think it would have to be bad. Not bad, but like, it would have to be quite. I'm just saying I've never had cause to. I'm just saying I never, I've never really yeah. thought about it. Maybe I should be like, because there's a few people who just get on my nerves. 
I think like block is like quite, you know, you're right. I just never want to see this, this again. And also it, the, that person, if they were to ever visit your profile, knows that you have blocked them. So that's quite a nuclear button to hit. Okay. Um, but I would say the mute thing and I, like muting someone, I don't think is a personal reflection at all. Like it could be, you could think that that person's annoying and you just don't want to hear them fine, but it could be that you're just not in the right headspace to be seeing yeah. the kind of content they put out. And it's not because you dislike the person. It's not because you find them annoying. It's just not the right time. Like I, I had, um, there was, I, I, I can't quite place when, but there was a time when like work-wise nothing was, just felt like nothing was working. I wasn't getting any coverage, wasn't getting any links, you know, everyone else had better ideas than me. Everyone else was doing great and I wasn't. And I literally like muted the word links for <laughs> for like a good few weeks. I was like, I just don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about how many links you got. I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, for the moment, I just want to use Twitter in a slightly different way. And that was like the easiest way to do it. And it was great. And then when I felt better, I was like, I can un unmute that again and I can bring it all back into my life and that's all fine. But it's, and it, it, yeah, I just find it, that is, um, I find that really useful, basically. So curate what I want to see. No, it's a good approach. Makes me wonder how many times I've been muted. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. So that's the point you made Yes, earlier. yeah, exactly. Know. And that's fine. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Right. Tell me something you are really passionate about. Right now, I'm very passionate about work-life balance stuff. Um I I think it's very, um, for, for a number of reasons, I think I've always been quite, quite strong on the fact that I get paid for a certain amount of things and hours. Yeah. <laughs> and broadly speaking, why would I go over on that regularly, regularly all the time? Because I'm not being paid for that. And like, well, I had a few jobs in like, you know, PR, not SEO PR, so like PR agencies. And um, and the culture of working till 10 at night is very, is like very there. And like, yeah. kind of, if you don't do that, then it's very frowned upon. Um, Been so there. I didn't like that just from the outset, but I think the, the move, the working from home thing, the fact that everyone was doing that and now more and more people have, are sticking to doing that. It's very easy to wake up, um, wake up in the morning, get your laptop out, have a little look at what's going on. And then, you know, have your laptop in front of you while you're watching TV in the evening or whatever that might be. And it's mm -hmm. just the, the creep of it can happen so much. So it's like that kind of, that part I find just practically it can easily happen. And then I do think the, the nature of people talking a lot about on Twitter about what great successes they have and how well everything's doing can make you think that you're not achieving enough. So it can then put, you could be putting yourself under pressure to think, oh, well, actually this thing only got this many pieces of coverage and actually I saw so-and-so got this many. So I should be putting more hours in and then putting more pressure on myself and doing Do that. So like a sorry, combo sorry, of that. Sorry to interrupt. Do you find, this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Do you find the creep also occurs in the fact we've got this social media driven 24 hour news cycle. So if you're working to something, an opportunity might arise at sort of say nine o'clock at mm. night for, from a news agenda, right? Do you find it, or how do you sort of manage that where you, cause I, I struggled this, obviously we're doing a lot of surveys and we, we try and do snap polls and jump on like reactive stuff. Mm. And I have to very consciously go, right, 
I'm almost if it's out of hours, you know. Obviously, if something massive happened, then mm-hmm. you know, I might I might do it. But it's my business, so therefore it's different. Yeah. But I wouldn't expect one of my employees to still be on Twitter at ten o'clock at night, go, oh my god, this news story's broke. Quick, get a snap poll out. Yeah. But it's hard, right? Because you might even be using Twitter for your own personal. Um, just I don't know what you call it like it's normal scrolling as yeah, opposed to yeah. work related scrolling it's a um a question that I have been thinking about a lot because in um in the industry full stop um there's a lot more um as in the digital PR kind of SEO PR industry there's a lot more shift to doing reactive PR stories which is exactly yep. what you described so mm-hmm. you know it's a it's a thing that PR people have been doing for many many years so it's not a new thing necessarily but um yeah, looking at things and seeing what's trending and seeing how your client can Let get involved get. in that conversation yep. and get coverage and links for it. Great. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that, um, so the industry is like uh, got it, doing it a lot more. And if the industry is doing a lot more, it means that I need to think about me and our team doing it a lot more because we've got to, you know, stay competitive and make sure that if it works for us, that it's something that we want to offer. So it's yep. something that we have um, dialed up and we're including more. Um but how do you stay reactive 24 hours a day when you are only working nine to five? Um, and I think at the moment, my thought is you can't get every opportunity. And yep. um, that just has to be a, a totally like, that, that's just life. You can't, you can't jump on anything. And if something happens in the US while you're asleep, what are you gonna do? There's not, it, you just have to deal with it. That's fine. The, nope. I mean, the only thing I'm thinking is like, you know, if, if you, you kind of, the kind of like, I don't know, um, the Jubilee, for example, if you were a, a tiara maker, <laughs> so you're probably going to be quite interested in what's going on in the Jubilee or like a hat maker. That was it. Lots of people wearing hats. So it's yeah. like, there's probably going to be a, a lot of stuff which you might be able to jump on with that. I guess knowing that having that um, foresight being, and then being able to maybe plan in someone's time so you can get time off in lieu potentially yes, yes. could work so that you're like okay I will work on that Saturday morning knowing that I'll get my Monday morning off and things like that yeah. um that's that's quite like a, a standard thing and then can can work um but it's yeah I'm not I'm not um entirely sure what the answer is I think you just <laughs> have to know that you're not going to get every opportunity and be okay with that okay can I ask you another question on this topic yes so I went through the I, I get very depressed with the news right there's there's a lot of looking at you know whether you're sort of looking at BBC or Sky or Daily Mail or whatever it is generally depressing news but from a reactive basis I will look at it regularly because I want to know if I can jump on it from a survey perspective I got to the point where I was turning off the the notifications on my phone on the BBC and Sky app because it was almost like I was inviting this thing into my life. Every time there's a bit of bad news, I was inviting my phone in to go, there's some bad news, there's some bad Mm. news. I was like, right. So then I hired someone to sort of take over the the social side of stuff, I'll call it. But realistically, what it was is she ended up doing that stuff, as in the, the news, following the news, looking at it. And it went on for a little while. And then I felt really bad about it because I just thought to myself, well, I didn't want to do this tracking the news every day. 
So I farmed it out to somebody else. <laughs> and she 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 messaged me one day. She's like, oh, it's so depressing, like blah, 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 blah. And it suddenly it was like a it was like a, a shock to my system. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Like and I found myself in this position where we ended up reining her back from doing that as well because I thought it's totally unfair that I don't want to do this because it's depressing to me and my mental health or mental well-being, I should say. Yeah, I've just farmed it off onto her to do. Mm. And that, that grated at me really badly. And I, and I actually, I started making a video, funnily enough, I made a, this was, so this was back in January, February, I first started thinking about this. And I started making a YouTube video about how giving your team, sort of not expecting your team to be on social 24-7. So it might not even be just <coughs> out of hours. It might be even in hours, so maybe nine to five. Have you are you exposing your team and it's not you, but mm-hmm. are, yeah. is what is one exposing one's team to a load of shit every day, all day, every day, just waiting for an opportunity, but in the in the process of waiting for that opportunity, is actually just being bombarded with oh stressors. Mm. I don't know is what it, my question is there. Is, no. is is it something you think about? Is it I think I I and the the clients that we have, we're lucky enough that they are in quite light industries. Okay. Um, so I think if we had, um, you know, maybe financial clients, so you'd be reading a lot about my like cost of living or kind of the economy and stuff like that. Or if you had kind of any, you know, really looking into the kind of politics side of stuff, which can be quite a downer. Um, but even from a reactive, per- mm-hmm. even from a reactive point, you sort of need to monitor yeah everything though right uh yeah no that's true i mean and obviously yeah if you are um you know when like the war broke out like you you know that is what everyone was talking about so you couldn't you couldn't leave that um i think um what we have looked at is making is having the people who are doing reactive it's not that's not their sole job Okay. Um, and that actually, I'd love to say that's because we were thinking about their mental well-being. Um, but it was actually more because I was thinking more of their like careers, as in like let's make sure people aren't really kind of like pigeonholed, um, so that they can have a breadth of experience of doing digital PR. Yeah. That's the current thinking, anyway. But I guess a nice byproduct of that is that there isn't the the kind of onslaught of yeah. yeah being exposed to all that kind of stuff. Um, but also, I think. And this hasn't happened yet, but I'm kind of foreseeing things that might. But um, there, I don't want anyone to think that you feel like loads of pressure to to be on top of it all the time. Because, like you said, like it, loads of stuff happens all the time. Loads of stuff changes all the time. Even if it's literally your job to watch that, you're not. You haven't got 16 different eyes. Like you can't be over yeah. everything at exactly the same time. Like, and then you know what's happened in showbiz or sport or you know it's just it's huge. Obviously, it's the world. Um, but I I didn't, wouldn't want the pressure to be on someone. Be like, oh no, I missed that opportunity, and now our competitor's gone and got like loads of coverage off the back of that, or yeah. have we seen real success with it and we missed it, and and feel kind of yeah pressure around that because it's just not really realistic. Um, but yeah, I think. It's, it's definitely something I want to keep an eye on. I think um, 
in general, working in PR, it's a concern because you're, I mean, there's a big discussion around, you know, getting PR coverage on places like the Sun or the Mail. Um, yeah. One, there's the kind of like ethical things behind that. But then also, you know, people do media monitoring every day. That <laughs> we're basically assigning the Sun to someone to be like, find out what the Sun are talking about today. And it's like, yeah. if that could be really against your your morals and ethics. Um, it's a tough topic, isn't it? Because ultimately <laughs> you've got a client who pays you at the end of the day and, you know, whatever we say about certain publications, when you get that link or that exposure, it's like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I totally understand that. Yeah, it's, it's, we've we had the conversation lots, and, and we, but we haven't got to a point where we say we won't get coverage on um, the Sun or, or the Mail. And it's just, it's an ongoing conversation, and I definitely will continue like to, to be thinking about it. But yeah, at the moment, it's, it's, it's tough also when you start to peel back the layers of who owns what. Everyone's yeah. owned, you know, the Metro's owned by the mail. Um, it, it's just that, yeah, there's a lot of kind of a small amount of people who own a lot of things. And so if you're deciding that you don't want to kind of financially help out these um, companies, then, um, yeah, it, it can open up. I feel, up I feel like this topic could be a, a podcast in its own right you know so and I, th- I know it would not be me talking about it because I have absolutely zero answers on it <laughs> and um I don't I don't know I would I'm just we are doing what we yeah we're, <laughs> we're keeping an eye on stuff and like trying to I don't know I just I haven't seen anyone successfully say that 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 they are changing like who they get coverage with and things like that and that's in digital PR and that's in um regular PR and and it's just a big question like yeah yeah it's a, t- it's a tough one because ultimately there's commercial commercials to be thinking of at the other end isn't there yeah. but okay um final question for you I'm I'm conscious I've taken up a lot of your time today I know you're, you're getting in the holiday spirit and you've got your packing to do um when you think about the future what do you see I would like to see me still working in the industry. I really like what I do. Um, I like that it is changeable, which can sometimes be a bit much, but like it's, it keeps things interesting. Um, And as much as we just said about how tough it is kind of being in amongst the news and and what's going on, I like being connected and keeping up to date with what's happening and working out what, consumers want and what different audience are interested in and learning about new stuff I think if I didn't work in this industry I wouldn't really probably be learning about like web three don't ask me any questions about it but like (laughs) it's like it's just it makes me it keeps me up to date with stuff and and then I want to like learn all about it and like read read up and try and try and get my head around things like that um so I would like to think I'm still in the um kind of industry that I'm in um I really hope that, yeah, the whole work-life balance thing, like I think I it's, it's a, something that I'm really passionate about, um, but it's not something that I do perfectly. So I want to get better at that. Um, and I think where I am and where I'm working, um, I don't know. I probably, I'll probably still be working at Rebellinet because <laughs> I've been working there for so long so far and there's people who've been working there for like four, no, maybe not 14 years, 
maybe like 11, like a long time. So I love to be like, oh, I've got grand plans to do this, this and the other. But it's such a lovely place to work and with lovely people that are probably still be there. I'll tell you what, Louise, in in this day and age, I was going to say that says a lot, Mm. even just in general, but in in digital marketing land, that's that's even more probably um, rare that people are companies that long it's it's um I think it's because it doesn't feel ne- it, in a good way it doesn't feel like my agency because I think running an agency would be crazy <laughs> and yeah. like a lot of work but then in a in a good way it also does feel like my agency like I feel like I get a lot of freedom a lot of um you know I'm listened to a lot um and not just me but like we try and instill that with everyone so you feel like you are part of it and you're not just like a cog in a wheel so I feel like I get the benefits of feeling like I have my own thing without the negatives of the stress (laughs) factor um but I, I like I what I love is that there's so much more seemingly so much more options for people like so many more people are going freelance I know you spoke to Erica um yeah and um he's a big advocate of freelance life but um it's it's uh it, I've always thought like you know freelance would be great I get to pick my own hours I get to um I don't know if I would make more money but like it depends how much work I take on I guess yeah. but um but then I think like oh I quite like the security of a nine to five oh perceived yeah. security like I like that I I get my holidays paid for. I like that I have health insurance. I like. I, I know it's not the most glamorous of things, and not maybe. But it comes back to that one size fits all, doesn't it? And yeah. and you know what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another. And yeah, there's there's pros and cons to everything, isn't there? Yeah. Um. And then just hope I'm happy, basically, in five years' time. Just... That seems like a good place to end it. Yeah. Happiness. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Thank you, Louise. I do appreciate you taking the time. And like I said, I know you're, you're dashing off on holiday tomorrow and you've probably got lots of stuff to be sorted out. Where, where can people come and if they want to connect, chat, see your TikToks, where's, where's the best place and to hit you up? Um, I would um, follow me or chat to me on Twitter. You will okay. see the TikTok videos because I always put them on there. So if you don't want to download TikTok, that's fine. You'll see them on the Twitter. Um, but yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, What's your handle? And my DMs are open. What's what I knew you were going to ask me that, and um, <laughs> I can't remember. I think it's Lu- Louise V Parker. I'm looking at yeah. my phone now. That's ridiculous. No, it is Louise V way. Parker. No, it is. I didn't know if you were going to be changing it because of uh, your recent. Well, yeah, no. Um, I do have a new last name now, but um, I'm decided what I'm going to do about work and what I'm going to be called. Yes. Yeah, so for now, it's Louise V Parker. To feel weird having a new name. Yes. <laughs> but I quite like it. Oh, I mean, that opens a whole other can of worms because I really had a, a, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my last name. Um, but I remember and, when we got married and I just, I kept saying to my wife, I just, it just freaks me out that you've gone sort of, she was like late thirties when we got married. I was like, all this time you've been called yeah. this and then all of a sudden you do that and it's like a new name. Yeah. It's, it's it, weird. Like, I, I really, I wanted to do it because I, I don't, love my last name currently <laughs> and so convenient and also like I really I don't know like I wanted to I don't know why I can't can't uh, yeah I wanted to take my husband's name but I actually wanted it to be a double barreled but then okay. double barreled is Parker Pierce which is a lot of P's 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also it means I'll be Mrs. PP, which if I have <laughs> children, I don't think I'll live that down. If you ever became a teacher or something. Yeah. Then, uh, okay. um, but yeah, um, for now, I, I mean, I, there's no way I'm changing my passport or anything with all that. Like, I'm just, it's probably not going to be until next year until I officially change stuff. So for now, fuck. I don't think you need to, just just for the record. My wife didn't change hers for a while, yeah. Oh, okay. Like officially, you don't think you don't need to change it just because you got married. Yeah, yeah. The only thing, the only thing you need to do is make sure that whatever name you book your thing in is the same. Yes, it's just so much admin. <laughs> yes, that's lad. That's being an adult, isn't it? That's yeah. Life now. <laughs> Always an excuse for some more admin. Indeed. Right, Louise. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Anyone who wants to get in touch with you, get in touch. That was 10Q interview with Louise Parker and I'm sure you will agree with me on how good that was. Um, I love chatting to Louise. If you made it to the end, which I'm hoping you have, hence listening to this, thank you. I hope you really enjoyed it. Feel free to share any thoughts you've got on uh, the podcast, any of the social channels, 10Q interview everywhere. That's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribed. mean the whole world to me um, wherever you're listening to this. And the next 10Q interview will be live very, very soon. Thank you.